Good morning and welcome to Daily Chapel, our first of our chapels. And uh, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, the, uh, there are still some seats up in the front if there are some of you in the back that are still looking for seats. Just wanted to uh, introduce you to some things about our Daily Chapel, first of all. Um, I, I'd like to encourage you to build this into your daily schedule and make this just part of your uh, regular worship life. We usually have about a 15-minute chapel service every day. And um, I'd like to, uh, there, there's also a, a kind of a side benefit, of, if you will, of just the social aspect. You can tell by all the talking that's been going on, right? And uh, we certainly want to encourage that discussion and time too, but maybe to think in terms of being a little quieter because there, there may be some who come in to meditate and pray before, the, before chapel. But we love to have you here in, in whatever way. Um, you'll see the painting behind me is that of Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany. Uh, this was a town near Jerusalem where Jesus often went uh, sort of to relax when he needed to. And there was a family there that he knew very well and uh, befriended them. They befriended him. And the, the story where Jesus went and was, Mary was sitting at his feet listening to his word and um, Martha was busy making dinner preparations. And she came and told Jesus to have her sister help her. And Jesus said, uh, um, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, but only one thing is necessary or needed. One thing is needful. And that is obviously to sit and listen to the word of God. And he said, Mary has chosen the better part. He wasn't saying what Martha was doing was wrong. But it was saying that what Mary had chosen was the better part. So this college in 1911 started as a women's college. And the idea was that you could come and sit at the feet of Christ and learn his word uh, through his word. And at the same time learn things like Martha that uh, help serve people in this life and in uh, vocations that we have in this life as well. So one thing needful um, became the theme for the college. And... Um, uh, a few years later, in the 1920s, because of financial problems, the college went up for sale. It was right after World War I. And um, the, um, uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, a little church body, had just gotten started. And so they purchased it and have owned and operated it ever since. For our daily chapel, we have about maybe 15 or so theologically trained pastors who come and preach. And um, next week on Tuesday, a week from today, we will start a series, a weekly series on the Ten Commandments, on each of the Ten Commandments. Um, if you look at the hymn book that we use, the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary, um, the, uh, we'll, we'll use various parts of that. The hymns, as you, as you know, are deeper into the book. And uh, please pay attention on the bulletins every day to the verses that are indicated. Um, when you put the hymn book away, it seems natural to put it so the nice spine is up, but actually that breaks the book, the binding. So put it face down uh, so that the pages are up. Uh, that makes it a lot easier for it, and the, the books will last a lot longer as well. Uh, we typically stand for singing our hymns, and you'll see that uh, indicated today. And uh, then also each day, make sure you return your bulletins to the back of the sanctuary because we'll be using them day after day. May the Lord bless our worship together.
Today we honor a prayer request um, on behalf of Glenda Basso from our campus and her family. Uh, her little granddaughter, uh, Ayla, was born prematurely and weighing only 15 ounces. And she lived in NICU for 12 days, but sadly passed away this last week. Let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you on behalf of your child, Glenda, and her family. Be with them in this time of loss. Comfort them with your gracious promises. Grant them an increase of faith in the work of your Son, through whom alone we have the hope of eternal life. We ask it all in his saving name. Amen. The scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 9. Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood thus with himself, Thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, one of my members came to me after church and was all excited to show me a dress that she was, was wearing that just a week earlier she had worn in the presence of the President of the United States. She worked for General Mills, and General Mills had um, selected her to go and represent their company, and she was given a, an audience with the President. And so she went to see, at the time, President Ronald Reagan. And she was all excited about this, as you can imagine. But she told me that she had to go through almost two hours of, of interrogation and security clearance and a variety of things, checking everything that she was wearing and so on. They taught her the proper protocol as to how to go and meet the president, how to stand in his presence, uh, how to pose for pictures with him. And it was all very very programmed ahead of time um, so that she would know exactly how to go when you approached the most powerful man in the world. And it was very clear and obvious to her this was a very, very big deal. And she was so excited to tell me about it. Today in our text, our Lord Jesus teaches us how to approach not just the most powerful human being, but God himself. How are we to go and approach God? It's really quite a, quite a daunting thing, isn't it? But our Lord Jesus instructs us today on how to go about that. Now, why does he have to teach us human beings and even religious people? Why does he have to teach us who are religious people about how to do this and how to do this properly? Well, the reason is because our natural approach inside of us is to kind of kind of build ourselves up before God and think that there's something that God should be happy with about us because we're such great people and nice people and so on. It's easy for us to kind of approach God on the basis of some pride 
and on the basis of, of who we are, and especially as religious people, uh, how we've lived our lives and things like that. As a Christian on this campus, you will probably find out pretty soon that not everybody who comes to attend Bethany is a Christian. And it's going to be easy for you to make a clear distinction between some of the activities that certain students may do and that is different from you maybe as a Christian who really wants to live out your faith and tries to follow God's will. And it's not going to be hard for you to find somebody to compare yourself with. They're all over the place. Or maybe at work, maybe somebody you know from, from your high school and things. It's very easy for us to find people in our world that, that we measure up pretty well against. That um, our sanctified lives as followers of God and of the Christian faith, that, that, that we can look pretty good next to them. But the problem is the measuring stick that we want to use to determine how, how good we may look in comparison to others is really not the measuring stick that God wants us to use when it comes to our relationship to him. But there are certain sins in the world, and especially as our culture gets more and more ungodly, and uh, it, it, it makes an even greater distinction between those who really seem to care about the things of God and, and those who obviously could care less. And the danger for us is that we can start comparing ourselves to just how far away so many people have become when it comes to the things of God. And so the same woman who can easily point out a lack of morality in someone else's life maybe doesn't think about the fact that gossip is also a sin that's deplorable before God, just as much as somebody sleeping around. Or maybe the guy that, that, that can easily see the wrong in certain types of lifestyles that people are living maybe doesn't think about that with his own eyes he can also be breaking the commandments of God. When I was a freshman here at Bethany uh, the, le the legal drinking age was 18 and um, so freshmen in college pretty much could drink and I had grown up in a family where a distant relative of mine uh, was a severe alcoholic, and because of that, uh, I just decided I was never going to drink. Trust me, I had plenty of other temptations, but that was one I was not going to do because I had seen how it destroyed his family and everything. But um, what I found for myself, my problem, was my pride when I looked at other students. I started to realize that I, I started puffing myself up because I didn't drink. And all these other people were doing this sometimes to excess. And it was very easy for me to, to kind of start taking some pride in, in myself. Martin Luther says it's very easy for us to make idols out of ourselves. And uh, that's exactly what our Lord is addressing here. Now, we need to make, make something very clear. There's a fine line between Christians sanctified in their lives trying to live the way God wants and clearly recognizing evil and sin in the world. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when we start in our own hearts feeling like, man, I'm sure glad I'm not like that. I'm sure glad I'm not as bad as that person. 
God, I thank you, I'm not like other people. Everything that this religious man, this Pharisee, he was, he was the moral conservative of his day. He was the Bible believer of his day. He was Joe religion of his day. And everything about him that we know that, that he's claiming is probably true. He probably gave very generously to the work of the Lord. He, he um, probably followed the commandments very particularly and was very careful about all of that. And um, his, his life was probably trying very hard to, to follow along the commandments of God. But the problem was, and this is the problem for all of us as, as believers in Christ, the devil likes to come and push us a little further on the cliff of just recognizing sin and take us to the point of saying, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people are. That's the danger. And the danger with that is we then bring that attitude when we approach God and God says, you will not ever be justified in my presence by coming to me with that kind of a heart. So that's the warning our Lord is giving us. It's easy for us to think, Boy, the world could sure use a lot more Don Molsteads. Okay? The world could sure use a lot more Christians like us who, who really, uh, really are out there trying to do the Lord's work. God, I thank you we're not like all the unbelievers out there. And it's easy for us to forget that the very faith that we have is grace, is something God had to give, in us, give to us. It's something he had to work in our hearts. It's not something we did on our own. Now, the tax collector, this publican, who they were known for, for taking money off the top and stealing from people, he comes with a rather strange approach to God, okay? And it flies in the face of logic and reason. It, it flies in the face of what natural religion would feel like. And that is to simply admit his guilt and to realize he has no he has nothing upon which to stand in his own life before God as he approaches God. But this approach that he is teaching us can only be taught by the Holy Spirit. Only God himself is capable of teaching us this approach to God. He's ultimately, if you think about it, appealing to God through the cross, through the work of Christ. Because that's where God has mercy on us. That's where his mercy floods down upon us through the gracious forgiveness of sins he gives us because of the blood shed by his son. And God teaches us in scripture through the prophet Isaiah. He says, looking at someone who's troubled by their sins and realizes they don't deserve God's grace, God says, this is the one I esteem. That means I hold highly. He who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. Completely flips on its head what we might think of as natural religion. But think about, in Jesus' ministry, think about how often he uses religious people to show the sin of self-righteousness. But then also how often he is seeking to find the, the sinner who is penitent and sorry for their sin and to lift them up with his grace and his forgiveness. Those who belong to the kingdom of grace can certainly recognize sin that's out there in the world. It's a natural thing for us to do. But their primary focus needs to always be here first. It needs to always be on our own great need that we have for the forgiveness that God gives so freely in Christ. And so this penitent tax collector finds tremendous comfort in the mercy of God. Notice that the magnitude of his sin, how much he has stolen from people, it's not mentioned. 
that's not relevant to God in this, in this context. Not even the frequency of how often he has done this. What matters is the condition of his heart and the fact that he knows he's a sinner and God cannot wait to come and forgive him. So this is the strange central teaching inside of the Christian faith. To approach God, the way to learn to approach God is to drop in front of him with your heart and admit and confess the depth of your sin and of your guilt. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So may God the Holy Spirit keep us in our proper place before God and cause our appeals to God to only be based upon his deep compassion for us in Christ and not for anything in us. God be praised for his mercy. Amen. Please rise and we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and to give more than we either deserve or desire. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask. But through the merits and meditation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Rejoice the May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen.